of the songs is brilliant. If you, if you don't have a favourite song, or, or maybe, maybe it's the case that every song would be a favourite of yours. Um, but can I highly recommend that once a week, once a week, take some time out and read through a song. Meditate on it. Because the songs, hopefully, we've been seeing over the last few weeks are, they are just so true to who God is and so true to our experience of life. Brilliant stuff, and it's been fantastic to hear how God has spoken to some of us through the Psalms in particular. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are the God who speaks to us. Lord, thank you that, that in these Psalms you have written of how we find life. Lord, that you speak to us through the experiences of your people long ago. Lord, and their walk with you speaks to our walk with you even today. Father, as we turn now and we look at, at this psalm that we have heard read, Lord, I pray that, that you would just speak to us anew this morning. Lord, that we would be driven to praise you. Lord, that we would be driven to thank you. Lord, thank you that we are here. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are present. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Lord Jesus, we are here to see you and hear of you. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me, I pray. Amen. Now what we've looked at over the past three weeks, for those of you who haven't been here, is basically how the song maps up to our experience of life. And what I think basically is that there are three types of psalms. Generalizing, very, very generalizing. There are psalms of orientation. There are psalms which come from the place of saying, this is all is right with the world. I know nothing of bad experiences. I know nothing of trouble. I know nothing of, of hard and heartache and whatever all I know is that God is good his word says that he is true and therefore I will trust him and praise him and we look at Psalm 145 which is the psalm speaking from a place of security speaking from a place where God is God absolutely and utterly and, and we never for a moment doubt that and we said that first week that, that those psalms are brilliant and they're useful to us. But so often, we are not in a place where we can say, God, I've never doubted. God, I, I, I've never been in, in harder shit. And so we came last week to Psalm 86, which is a psalm of disorientation. A psalm where everything is topsy-turvy. A psalm when it seems like we don't know what's going to happen. A psalm written from a perspective of, of just the death. And we saw last week that even in the death of our experiences, God is there. God is good. And we can take our problems to Him. We can share our concerns with Him and, and what is most wonderful is that God listens and God answers and God saves. 
which for me is just a fantastic thing. God's faith. And that brings us this week to Psalm 103, another Psalm of David, just like the other, other two that we've looked at. And, and Psalm 103 is written from a perspective of somebody, of David, who has gone through those previous stages. He started off, everything is good, I trust God implicitly, God's word says he is good, therefore I believe that everything is going well in my life. And we've seen last week how David moved through the experiences of being in the death, of struggle, of heartache. And we saw him trusting God. And this week we see David having gone through that place. And coming out into a, you know, it's like you drive into a fog bank and it gets all dark, that that's fine, and you now come out into the light. And it is glorious. And it is fantastic. And he is speaking from a joy. A, a joy that is actually deeper than he had at the beginning. Because in Psalm 145, from that place of orientation, we speak out of theory, but in Psalm 103, he speaks out of the experience of God's goodness. He speaks as one who has experienced God's graciousness and God's salvation for himself. And is it any wonder that he comes from that? I mean, have you guys ever experienced that? No? Never experienced God's goodness and righteousness? Wow, okay. And he writes now. And he says, I will praise the Lord. Let all that is within me praise his holy name. Bless his name. You know, that, that is just absolutely, in my own experience, I, I, I know where David's coming from, where things, God has done something amazing in your life, and you come to him and you say, Lord, thank you so much, I will bless your name, not just a little bit, but with all that is in me. I'm so excited, I, I'm losing my mind. Lord, yes. Lord, from all that is within me, I will bless your holy name, because you have been so good for me, I have experienced your graciousness to me. Lord, I want to praise you. I want to lift you high. Lord, you are just so fantastic. You are just so fantastic. With my whole heart, I will praise you. With every fiber of my being, I will praise you. And I like Psalm 103 because it's not just a song, a, a personal song of praise. In the first five verses, um, it, it's actually written in terms of me. This, this is David saying in the first five verses, Lord, you have been so good to me. You have done so much for me. And then he turns in verse 6 and he says, Lord, you have done so much for me. And I look back into the past and I see that you have continued to do that. What you have done for me is nothing new. This is your character. 
I knew all the time that you were the one who saved your people, that you were the one who does great marvelous acts, as I speak in Psalm 145, but now, Lord, from the experience of your goodness to me personally, all of that becomes, it just becomes so clear, it just becomes so much more powerful an image in my mind. And he turns and he says, Lord, you have done so much for me. And I've seen your goodness Psalm uh, 103 verse 19 and so Lord I will praise you but let all things praise you. See he goes from, from me to them and he actually goes a little bit to us and then he says everyone praise the Lord. Fantastic stuff. Have a look at what he says in, in chapter 103 verse 2. That all that I am, praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. NIV, I believe, says, May I never forget His benefits. That's a strange one, isn't it? It feels kind of strange for us to speak about the benefits of God. It sounds almost mercenary, doesn't it? But you know, it would be mercenary. If we came from a place of saying, right, let's see whether God is worth my trust. That's not appropriate. That is mercy. He is worth my trust. But, but, for David, what has happened is God has shown himself to be. God has revealed his benefit. God has done great things for David. And David says, I have experienced the goodness of God. I trust God because He is God. Everything that I've said in the Psalm 145 from the place of security, I trust God because He is God, but now, through my troubles, through my difficulties, I know that He is so good to me in my life. So one of these benefits, he goes on, he says in verse 3, benefit number one, he forgives all of my sins. Wow. Wow. He forgives all of my sins and heals my disease. He forgives all of my sins. St. Augustine is the one who said, you cannot have the benefits of God before your eyes unless you have your feet before your eyes. Here is a man who looks at his life and sees it for what it truly is. He sees the darkness. He sees the tendency to fall. He sees the tendency to disobey. He sees himself for who he is. Psalm 130 verse 3. I'm misquoting, but close. Lord, let me read it for you. Psalm 130 verse 3. I don't want to misquote it. That's not good. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, Who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could 
ever And yet, the joy that is so evident in Psalm 103 is a joy that comes first and foremost of knowing that God has forgiven my sins. Not the big ones, not the little ones, all of them. Completely, utterly, it says in verse 12, as far as from the east is from the west, so far as God removed our sin from us. I mean, how fantastic is that? The first benefit of knowing God, we have our sins forgiven. Second benefit, we are healed. Now, there's two kind of parallel there. Our sins are all forgiven. He heals all of our, uh, uh, he heals all my diseases. Now, I'm happy to say that God will always forgive those who turn to Him and ask. He heals all my diseases. God does heal. Doesn't always heal all of our diseases right now, does it? Wouldn't it be fantastic if He healing and, and forgiveness was automatic. <laughs> There's a link between forgiveness and, and, and sickness. But, but we can't draw it too, too tightly. Job's friends were, were the blokes who kept on going to Job and saying, Job, you must have done something terrible against God to be afflicted with these diseases. And, and basically the answer is, is no, he, he's a righteous man, and, and yet he still suffers. But the man was a man born blind, a man born crippled, I forget which. The disciples look at him and say to Jesus, why was this man born in Was it because his parents sinned? Was it because he sinned? What, what happened? Jesus is answering, no, he was born like this, so that God's glory could be revealed. James speaks about, if you are sick, you should, you should examine yourself and see whether there is unconfessed sin in your life. Forgiveness and healing are close, but they're not exact. But you know, God does heal all of our diseases. Maybe not now, but isn't the great promise that one day we will be with him in heaven where there shall be no more sickness, no more dying. And that is the direct result of being forgiven, that there will be no more sickness. You know, David, David knew full well what this was on about. You know the story, of course, of David and Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband, who he, he basically had killed so that he could have Uriah as his wife. Now they actually had a child by that illegitimate union. And as a result of that, when he was found out by the prophet Nathan, Nathan said to him, look, this has happened. God knows what you've done. David repented. David turned back to God and asked for forgiveness. God answered to him through the prophet, David, you have been forgiven. 
but the child will die. And that child died. It, it was sick and it died. And yet, the other thing that Nathan said to David, David, you have been forgiven. And even though you have sinned against God, you, David, will not die. Second Samuel 8 or 9, it's around about where it is. You have been forgiven and you will not die. Verse 4, he redeems me from death. He redeems me from death. He literally, he redeems me. He saves me from the pit. Literally, what he says there, from Sheol, that's my translation there. What, what David is saying there is, is two levels when he says, God saves me from dying. He saves me literally now, but, but more than that, we know God says, I have saved you from death. I have brought you to life. I mean, come on, is this not reason to pray that He has given us, healed us, He has given us life, and crowned us with love and tender mercy? David knows just how little he deserves God's kindness towards him, and yet he sees how great God's mercy towards him is, and he is just lifting his soul up in grace. And he goes on in verse 5 and he says, The Lord gives, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle. You know that, that section from Isaiah, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall rise up on wings like eagles. Have the strength. Says David, it's not just some little thing. It's, it's I have a new force in my life, I have a new strength in my life, I have a new direction in my life. What's more, he says, he fills my life with good things, he gives me the stuff that I desire. That, that word fulfill, a, a better way to put it is, he, he just overflows my life with good things. He satiates my life with good things. David comes and uh, he is just so lost in the wonder of what God has done for him, praise my soul. And all within me, the Lord, praise his holy name. And he moves on from there and he says, as I think about what God has done for me, why has God done? Why would God give me good? Why would God forgive me? Why would God give me life? And this is an important thing. He looks back. He looks back at what God has done in the past. And he says, God has done this because of who God is. Verse 6 is sort of a summary of what God does. He says, God is the one who gives righteousness and justice to all those who are treated unfairly. This is who God is. God is the one who gives righteousness. God is the one who gives justice to all those going through difficult times in life. And he thinks back, and he thinks back to the Exodus message. 
you know what? God has shown his character time and again. God has shown his character by what he does. And that character, verse 8, he is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unsaving love. You might have heard that verse before, one or two times. Turn with me to Psalm 145, from two weeks ago. Psalm 145, verse 15, I think it is. No, verse 8. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Psalm 86, from last week, verse 15. You, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, and filled with unfading love and faithfulness. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfading love. You know what? If there is one constant that goes with us through all stages of our life, whether we are in everything is good, whether we're going through difficult times, whether we are out of difficult times and celebrating the goodness of God, what stays the same is who God is. God is the God of compassion. God is the God of mercy. God is the love of unfailing love. God is God. His character remains. His character is the reason why we can move through the tough times and come out celebrating full of joy. And what it teaches us is that if there is one thing we should be meditating upon every single day of our lives, it is on the character of God, because all other things are transient, all other things change. But God never changes the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And of course, the best way to meditate on this character of God, the God of compassion and mercy, and, and slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love, is to look onto that cross and see the passion of God. The compassion of God. Now David, I believe when he wrote the song, it's come out of a place of A place, I think, where he has sinned and been forgiven. Perhaps the old Bathsheba incident, perhaps the time when he took a census right at the end of his way. Where he repented and was forgiven. And he comes and he looks at that and he draws from that and from what God has done in the past. He says, God is the Lord of compassion. not continue to Jesus. He is He's not going to remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not feel harshly with us as we deserve. How does that work? How does that work? 
How is it possible for the Lord of all creation, who is absolutely holy, who is absolutely perfect, who is absolutely righteous, to turn around and say to us and for us to experience in turning to us and saying, I will not be angry with you forever. I will not treat you with the justice that you deserve. I will forgive you. I think for David this is a, this is a magnificent mystery. This is a magnificent mystery that God can forgive, that God cannot treat us with the justice that we deserve, that God does not stay angry with us. There's that passage, is, is it in Deuteronomy where he says, uh, somebody else says, if the Lord was not for us, we would have been wiped out long ago. What a wonderful mystery for them. And yet we, as we look back, say, God's character doesn't change. He is the God of justice. He is the God of absolute righteousness. How does that match with his mercy? He takes our justice. Takes our punishment. Takes the wrath of the hand for us. You know, if David celebrate God giving him with such exuberance and joy, not knowing the cost that it was to God. Brothers and sisters, how joyful are we? Let's put it differently, how joyful should we be? It's not a mystery, it's a beautiful reality. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. High as the heavens are from the earth, so great is his love for us. Wide the great things of God, and yet what is absolutely amazing, verse 13 and 14, he is like a father. You know, our sins are so far away, our sins are removed beyond our sight, but God is like a father to us. He is compassionate on us. He has mercy on us. He knows us absolutely. He knows how we were made. He made us. He breathed life into us. He formed us from the dust. He says, I know how weak you are. I know your feeble frame. I know that you are just people. Isn't it a great thing that, that in the team of praise, towards the high climax of praise, where does David go? He goes, thank you God! All men are like grass and like the field, the flower field. Lord, thank you. Because Lord, the wind blows and we wither and we fade. Isaiah 40 has got almost exactly the same word says, all men are like grass, like the, the flowers of the field, the wind blows, and they wither and they die. It says Isaiah 40, but the word of the Lord lasts for you. Almost identical, says David here. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows, we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the 
love of the Lord remains forever. With those of you. And I just love how those two words, those two people writing a long time apart, hundreds of years apart, knew the same truth that the love of God lasts forever, that the word of God lasts forever, that the two are the same. The love of God is the word of God. The word of God shows us the love of God and the two come together in the person of God as he lives with us and walks with us and dies for us. But why is this the, the climax of David's praise? Because he looks at himself and he says, Lord, you know so well that I am but dust that I will fade, but your love stays with me forever. Some translation, from eternity to eternity your love remains. How can God's love stay with us if we have God? That is the brilliant news from God's love is that His love overrides our status of dust. Overrides our status as grass and wildflowers. His love remains with us forever. And in fact, from eternity to eternity, His love has been with us since forever and will continue for forever. You see, this, this is the highlight of that. God's love means that we are no longer what we were. And, you know, it's the same sort of thinking that we can say here and yes, we understand that we have a new life, that one day we will be with Christ, but, but there's a realness here. That there's a, this is not just head knowledge, this is, this is, he has tasted and seen of the Lord's God. Hebrews 6 goes along those lines. Colossians 2. We have tasted God's goodness. The love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. The salvation extends to their children's children. Of those who are faithful to His covenant, of those who obey Him. The Lord made the heavens His Christ. Where David goes and What you have done for me, looking back at this, is translate to all people. To all people who trust you, who fear you, who obey you. But this praise, Father God, from me is not enough. Lord, you are the creator of all things. You created the universe. You created the dimensions which we cannot see. Lord, even the host of heaven, the armies of heaven, the angelic beings in heaven, Lord, they are your creation and they should praise you. They are the ones who do what you say. Lord, they have seen your goodness. Let all of them praise your holy name. Praise the Lord everything that he has created. And by the end of the psalm, we started out with just David singing, Praise the Lord, O my soul. And by the end, we started it, and we had not just David's voice, but we had the voice of all creation joining in. 
Some of you might have, uh, Vic, who used to be in the church here, is that down Albany, he sent us a link of, of his male voice choir that was part of. 500 blokes all singing together. And it's glorious. How many people have heard that? Six billion? A few more billion over the years? All of heaven's armies? All of creation? Singing praise to God. Isn't it going to be fantastic? Isn't it going to be awesome? I dare anyone to get up to heaven and stand there as we worship God and go, hmm. it's been quiet, isn't it? It is going to be And you know, we don't have to wait for it now because God in His mercy and goodness has revealed something of that to us now. As He deals with us better than we deserve. As He saves us, as He forgives us. But as I end, I want to go back to verse 2. Because you know, I could speak about God's love, faithfulness and kindness until the cows come home. And then until they go back out and come back in. We can speak forever of God's love. Don't worry, I'm not going to. This morning. Especially when we've... Especially when it's so real to us. This isn't David saying, I will praise the Lord, I will praise the Lord, as he did last week in Psalm 86. This is David saying, I must praise the Lord, I can't help but praise the Lord. And yet he says in verse 2, let all that I am praise the Lord, may I never forget the good things that he has done for me. From a man who obviously knows himself so well. You know, it is easy to praise God when God has done something fantastic in our life. I, I, I personally, last year sometime, I was driving in a car uh, and God answered a prayer and I was just, wow. I'm sure the people passing by thought I was crazy because I was so praising God and thanking Him. But what David points out to us is that we need to hold on to it. We need to remember the goodness of God. We need to instruct our minds. That's what he's doing here. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Let me not forget His goodness. Let me not forget His kindness. Let me not forget all of the things that He has done for me. Let me celebrate God's goodness. I cannot go back to what it was before. I cannot go back to a head knowledge of God's goodness. I certainly don't want to go back to the darkness that He has lifted me out of. Let me celebrate. This is why this is a psalm of reorientation. Because it's setting our lives anew on a different pattern. Thank God. But our experience of Him means that we can never look at Him the same way. Ask yourself. Has God ever 
magnificently revealed himself to you. Have you ever been in a place like David is here in this psalm as he wrote it down? Thank God, you're How often do we think of it? Or do we praise God in the moment? And when the moment is gone, pretend like God has done it. When I was a child, very young bloke, I've got a great family. Parents love me. I always knew that they were there for me. And then one day, I wasn't picked up from school. Somebody else was supposed to pick me up as a child. You know what, when my parents found me, I went to a friend's home. Luckily, I remembered how to get there. When my parents found me, I knew that they would find me. This is kind of knowing I always knew that they would find me, but, but I knew from experience that they were the people who would find me. Do you know that God is going to find you? Do you know? Do you know? Praise the Lord. Oh my God. Let's say it together. Let's say it together. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Let all that is within me praise His holy name. Amen.